Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. Draft your team with no in-season management. Get the optimal score each week of the season and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up with promo code FSE, and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code FSE and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to continue Superlatives Week with my top five busts for fantasy football. Danny brought you his sleepers yesterday. I brought you my breakouts on Wednesday. Today, we're getting a little bit negative talking about players that could sink your chances of winning your fantasy football league or worse, have you going out to dinner with a blow-up doll or whatever your league's punishment might be. So definitely don't want that to happen to you guys. So we're going to break down these players and talk about why we are not drafting them. If you guys enjoy, leave a like, comment down below who is your biggest bust for 2022 fantasy football and subscribe to the channel if you are new around here as well. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. All right, to start things off, I'm going to make a couple stipulations just so we're clear here. First, it's not that I hate these players. It's that I don't like their ADPs. I think they're going too high, and I would rather draft other players going around them. So I'm not saying these guys will all be terrible for fantasy necessarily. I just think they're being drafted too high. And second, I'm only speaking about players that are going in the top 100 overall picks in ADP because you know once you're outside the top 100, it's not going to kill you if you miss on your ninth round pick or your 11th round pick or whatever. So by all means, draft whoever you want at that point in the draft, but I'm talking about players that are going early in the draft because those are the guys that really sink your fantasy season if you miss on them. So we're going to start today by looking at who the busts were last year. In the top 75 overall players of ADP, these were the guys that busted. And how I defined bust was guys that finished with lower than a 6% best ball win rate. 8.3% is the average win rate of all players, one in 12 chance of uh, hitting. But basically a lot of these guys, I actually color coded them to determine why they busted the players in red. It was just injury. Obviously we can't predict injury. And in the case of, you know, Saquon Barkley and Julio Jones and Michael Thomas, maybe we should have seen it coming because they were entering the seasons with injury, but you know, guys like Kareem Hunt and, you know, Akers and Travis Etienne last year, we, we couldn't have seen that coming. They just, you know, had major injuries and all that kind of stuff. The players in yellow is the ones that I want to focus on because we could have actually predicted some of these players. And the two guys in orange were CH and Miles Sanders, who both suffered injury and were also bad were on the when they were on the field. So they were kind of a bust from two perspectives. I think there was a lot of major issues with a lot of these guys in yellow that we were not cognizant of last year during drafts. Most of them were talent or offense related. We had guys like Kenny Galladay, Chase Claypool, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Miles Sanders, Cortland Sutton, guys that probably just weren't that good of players to be propelled to the ceiling uh, outcomes that we had in mind for them. And, and me included, I really loved Chase Claypool last year. And I think, you know, betting on second year wide receivers is generally a good thing, but I didn't really take into account that Deontay Johnson was the better player at that point in time. And same goes for some of the other guys here with Allen Robinson, DJ Moore and Odell Beckham Jr. I think these guys catalyst for bus was the fact that their offenses were terrible, not necessarily that they're bad players because a Rob DJ Moore and Odell Beckham Jr. Showed in spurts last year that they can definitely still play. And OBJ was only bad with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, when he was on that bad offense. So with that framework in mind, we're going to talk about my five biggest busts in 2022 going in descending order as we did for the breakouts. 
Number five is Elijah Mitchell. And Elijah Mitchell is going right now off the board as the RB23 57th overall player, according to um, 444 ADP, multi-site ADP, which includes Underdog Fantasy and Yahoo and Sleeper and all the sites that you guys are probably drafting on. RB22 73rd overall is where I have him ranked. And this might come as a shock to a lot of you guys because Elijah Mitchell was one of my favorite sleepers last year, but he is extremely overvalued this year, especially in more casual leagues where people are always searching for running backs whenever they you know miss out on the early round running backs. These red flags all over Elijah Mitchell's profile that I'm going to outline will probably steer you away from drafting him. For starters, he was a sixth round rookie running back last year in a backfield that had the starter go down week one. Raheem Mostert was the starter there. He went down week one and it was a perfect storm for Elijah Mitchell. All he had to do at that point was supplant Trey Sermon, who we now know is not very good. He just got released by the 49ers yesterday. This year, Elijah Mitchell is starting on shaky ground. I'm not going to sit here and say that the reason I'm fading Elijah Mitchell is because the 49ers have had a different leading rusher for each of the last five years, but it is definitely a risk. We know that committee is in the 49ers and in Kyle Shanahan's blood, and we've heard drum beats of it in spurts all offseason that they want to deploy multiple running backs, use a running back by committee, and we've seen evidence of it ever since Kyle Shanahan has been in San Francisco. And even when he was in other stops like Atlanta and Washington, we've seen him use committees uh, at the running back position. Then we got word that Elijah Mitchell had a procedure done to clean up his knee following the 2021 season that caused him to miss six games throughout the year. And this prompted the 49ers to cover their own asses by drafting third round running back Tyrion Davis Price out of LSU and retain restricted free agent Jeff Wilson on the team. So they they cover their ass. They don't want Elijah Mitchell to miss time. So they bring in more running backs. Finally, we have all this committee talk and the question mark of Elijah Mitchell's health capped off by the fact that he's been dealing with a hamstring injury the entire offseason, preseason, and training camp. He's been either limited, he didn't play in the preseason, and even if the best-case scenario plays out in San Francisco, right? Anybody who's an Elijah Mitchell stan will probably say, well, he's the clear-cut starting running back in this offense. He's going to be more efficient in this offense because, you know, Trey Lance is a mobile quarterback. We have a mobile quarterback who can take away touchdowns on the goal line from him, and that's really all the appeal that Elijah Mitchell has from a high-value toucher standpoint because we haven't seen him being used in the receiving game. Kyle Shanahan has used, you know, other running backs like Jermichael Hasty, who's now gone, but we could see, you know, Jeff Wilson maybe used in that role, maybe TDP used in that role, and they still have Kyle Juszczyk, who they deployed that way as well. And also, Elijah Mitchell doesn't get a ton of carries because Trey Lance is probably going to carry the ball quite a bit as well. So the ceiling that we're looking at for Elijah Mitchell is probably like a middling RB2 who's touchdown dependent. And that's a lot of risk for me to inherit for not a lot of reward. In that area of the draft, I'm looking to hit home runs because I know at wide receiver, at tight end, at quarterback, I can get still league winning type of assets. And typically at running back, those league winning type of assets go higher in the draft. And you want to get your anchor running back or two early on. So if you have an opportunity to draft Elijah Mitchell and you feel like you should do it because you don't have an RB2 left on your team yet because you went wide receiver heavy early on, don't. I'm telling you right now, just draft more wide receivers. Fill out your running back two slot in the 8th, ninth, 10th round where the hit rates are a lot better relative to the RB dead zone where Elijah Mitchell goes. So he's not a guy that I'm very excited about. Another guy that I'm not excited about is Alan Lazard, who is my fourth bust of the year. Wide receiver 39, 97th overall. I have him wide receiver 51 outside of the top 100. And this is the lowest drafted player that I'm going to talk about. Not all these guys are going to be in this area of the draft. But in more casual leagues, I do think Alan Lazard will be pushed up the board because the number one wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers narrative is a real thing. I've noticed it, especially with casual players. And I ask you this, how many times has the fantasy football community 
fallen for a wide receiver who isn't that good because they project to be the number one or the number two receiver for a Aaron Rodgers type or a Patrick Mahomes type? Did people not learn from Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison and McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins in years past? Alan Lazard is not a good wide receiver. He's not a number one in this league. And no amount of people projecting Devontae Adams' vacated targets onto his plate is going to change that. As you guys can see, his reception perception profile outlines exactly what I'm talking about. He separates at a 15th percentile rate versus man coverage, 10th percentile versus zone, 27th versus press coverage. And he's an undrafted free agent with no more than 60 targets in a single season. He is not replacing the best wide receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams. So if you're going to take shots on this Green Bay passing game, I highly suggest you do it on guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs because they're at least they're rookies. They're unknowns. We don't know how good of players they are yet. Their talent level factor is is enough for me to take shots on them. And also they're going later than Alan Lazard, which helps, you know, soothe the blow as well. So a quick humble brag before I get into the top three, I actually hit on all three of my top three busts last year. Russell Wilson, Allen Robinson, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, all three of them had sub 6% win rates. And let's see if I can come close to that. So Number three is David Montgomery. David Montgomery, just like Elijah Mitchell, there's a whole lot of shit wrong with him. Uh, David Montgomery, for starters, is in a bad offense. This Bears offense is probably not going to be very good because the Bears have not done a very good job of surrounding Justin Fields, who's a young second-year quarterback with the adequate weapons, with the adequate protection to help him take the next step in his career. And investing in players like David Montgomery, who are solid players, but not necessarily difference-making talents, but play in bad offenses, led to some of those big busts that I talked about early on, like Kenny Galladay, like Cortland Sutton, et cetera, like Allen Robinson, like, you know, DJ Moore, all those guys were big time busts for fantasy because while they're, you know, varying levels of talent, they were playing in bad offenses and that they weren't good enough players to overcome that. Then we combine that with the actual workload concerns that we have for David Montgomery, because we have not had this the last two years. David Montgomery has been a workhorse bell cow running back the last two years. And I don't know if people know this number one in 2020, this guy led all running backs with a 90% opportunity share of his backfield, 90% opportunity share. We're talking Najee Harris, Christian McCaffrey level workload. This is elite, elite touches. We're talking about from David Montgomery in 2020, when he was a top five running back and had that great stretch down the back half of the season. And last year he ranked top four in the NFL with an 80% opportunity share. So we're talking about a guy that has had virtually no backfield competition in the past couple seasons. And this is a new coaching staff, right? They did not draft David Montgomery. They have no allegiance to give him some huge workload. And the drumbeat in Chicago from guys like, you know, Chris Emma from the score and some of the athletic reporters is that Khalil Herbert is going to be more involved. And Khalil Herbert showed in his, you know, limited action last year in relief of David Montgomery when he was injured, that he is very capable of carrying the ball a couple times, contributing on third down, whatever they need him to do. So I think this backfield is going to be a lot more of a committee than let's say the workhorse touches that David Montgomery has received to this point. The offensive concerns alone were enough for me to, to shy away from David Montgomery. I don't want running backs and bad offenses where he's a middling talent. I think he can probably be a, a you know, a mid to low upside RB two Cause that's enough for me to just not draft him altogether Combine that with the fact now that we have legitimate concerns that that volume that he's been known for for the last two years might start to dwindle as well. So David Montgomery, not a guy I'm drafting. If you get into the third, fourth round and you feel like you got to get a running back too, I'm telling you, skip over David Montgomery. Grab yourself either a higher upside running back like Travis Etienne or Cam Akers or, you know, Brees Hall maybe in the fourth round. 
or just skip over the running back position entirely, which is what I'm pr- probably going to be doing in most cases. Grab yourself a wide receiver, grab yourself, you know, an elite tight end that may have slipped, grab yourself an elite quarterback, anybody but these dead zone running backs in rounds three to seven. Number two on this list, number two bust is Amari Cooper. And my pick for Kenny Galladay, Cortland Sutton type that I kind of broke down in the bust from last year, because we have a wide receiver in a Browns offense that I expect to be very bad, who I also think is not that talented of a player. I think he's an overrated talent. And let me address that part of things first, because if you're new around here, you might be thinking, well, Amari Cooper is one of the best route runners in the league. What do you mean? He's overrated. No, he's not one of the best route runners in the league. And we have documented proof that he's not one of the best route runners in the league in the form of Matt Harmon's reception perception. He has elite flashes, right? The Sunday night football NBC crew will point, you know, Chris Collins was like, man, look at this route by Amari Cooper. And that's why we think he's an elite route runner, but he does not do it consistently. And it's the reason that nobody who's drafted Amari Cooper enjoys having him on their fantasy team because he's not consistent enough. And as you guys can see, his reception perception data over the last three years speaks volumes. He has never had a higher success rate than the 40th percentile versus man coverage or the 53rd percentile against zone coverage, the 36th percentile against press coverage. Now it'd be one thing if he was a go up and get it receiver like Mike Evans posting these numbers, but why this matters is because he's heralded for being a great route runner. So the fact that people say he's a great route runner, we should think he should have Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs numbers, who, by the way, are all in the 90th plus percentile in these numbers. No, he's not there. He's he's way below those guys in the 30, 40, 50th percentile. And he's also not a guy that's going to command an elite target share if that's why you're thinking he might be good for Cleveland this year. He hasn't exceeded a 21% target share since 2016, despite being the clear-cut number one wide receiver for most of the years during that span. Maybe last year because CeeDee Lamb was there, you can make excuses why he wasn't an elite target share guy. But two years ago, he was the clear-cut number one on that team. Three years ago, clear-cut number one on the Cowboys. When he was with the Raiders, he was the clear-cut number one there as well. So we're talking about a guy who's an overrated talent, a guy that doesn't command a whole lot of targets. And then, like I said, cap it off with the fact that we get 12 doses of Jacoby Brissett for the first 12 games of this season until Deshaun Watson comes back. I think this will be a bottom five passing offense. I don't think we're going to get an offense that's going to be a difference-making offense. And Amari Cooper will have to do a lot on his own. And like I kind of just outlined, I don't think he's a good enough player to do that. We've seen him disappear for consistent stretches during the season when he's played in good offenses, the Raiders offense, the Cowboys offense, especially last year and the year before. And he's still been disappointing from a fantasy perspective, being like a middling low-end wide receiver too. If we had Deshaun Watson as the quarterback, I probably still wouldn't be in on Amari Cooper. But at least at that point, you could convince me that he's going to be at least a little bit more you know, consistent because the offense will be better. But we combine all these factors together. I'm just not drafting this guy anywhere remotely close to where he's going. I'd rather take a shot at these young breakout candidate guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, Elijah Moore, and Rashad Bateman, Devontae Smith, guys going around that area of the draft. And if you want to go for a safer guy, I'd rather take Adam Thielen. I'd rather take Tyler Lockett, anybody in that area. Now, number one on this list is a bit bold. I will admit I'm I'm scared more of this one than I am of the other guys coming back to bite me in the ass. Dalvin Cook is my number one bust this year. You guys, if you're new around here, you probably don't know why. I'll explain in a second, but if you've been around here for a while, I'm sure you guys know what I'm about to say. RB5, eighth overall is where he's being drafted. I have him as my RB12, 23rd overall. And like I said, this one is a bit bold, and I'd like to rephrase. If he was on the board... In the mid-second round, at the late second round, I would be fine drafting Dalvin Cook, but this is his price that I have a problem with. His risk profile is not being baked into the first round, top 10, top eight overall price tag that he has. And I think even in casual leagues, he's probably a top five pick. I'm going to outline all three of the major risks that I have for Dalvin Cook in detail here. 
Risk number one is the fact that he has not played a full season in you know, his entire career. He hasn't played more than 14 games in his entire career, dealing with a variety of lower body injuries. And we also know from doctors like Edwin Porras of Fantasy Points, Dr. Jesse Morris, a number of guys, that this is a guy that is predisposed to separating his shoulder because of the history that he has with that injury. And this S, uh, this excerpt that I'm putting on the screen right now is something that Edwin wrote about Dalvin Cook last year. And guess what? It flared up during the season and he missed a game because of it with a labrum tear and a dislocation. And then also he missed two more games with an ankle sprain. So as you guys can see on the screen, Edwin outlines that he has a 42 to 55% chance of dislocating his shoulder and missing a couple games. The issue, it's, it's one thing to miss a couple games. The issue is that Dalvin Cook could also tear the thing if he has one bad hit someone drives him into the turf as they're tackling him, he could separate it entirely or completely tear his labrum. And then he's out for the season because of this predisposition that he has. So that's risk number one with Dalvin Cook, the shoulder injuries, the lower body stuff. It has been relatively predictive for him. Number two is kind of semi-related to risk number one. We also have a guy who is now 27 years old with 1,200 career touches under his belt, 1,000 of those carries. And as I broke down in the video, sell these running backs now, part two, we can see a list of multi-time RB1s from this decade when they started to fall off from a fantasy perspective. And Dalvin Cook aligns perfectly with those marks. They fell off around age 27 with 1,132 career touches, which is about the numbers that Dalvin Cook is at right now. And risk number three makes me buy more into risk number two and one than it would if I saw something different out of Dalvin Cook in 2021. Last year, we saw previously elite Dalvin Cook, a guy that was the most efficient running back in the league, one of the best to do it in a great scheme, start to fall off from an efficiency perspective. We saw Dalvin Cook rank 21st in yards per touch, 27th in juke rate, 39th in yards created per touch when he had previously been top 20, if not top 10 in most of those metrics in 2020 and in 2019 when he was an elite fantasy running back. He also posted negative fantasy points over expected for the first time in his entire career. So we went from uber efficient Dalvin Cook in 2019 and 2020, one of the best and one of the most efficient running backs in the league to start to see him fall off a little bit from an efficiency perspective last year. And that makes me nervous enough combined with the first two risks to let my league mates draft him. So the point of all this is not to say Dalvin Cook's going to be terrible. Don't fucking draft the guy no matter where he falls. What I'm saying is that he could absolutely be you know, a top eight running back, but I don't think he has the elite ceiling he once had because of these risks, because of the efficiency fall off. And that top eight ceiling that I see for Dalvin Cook is not worth the risk that he has on his profile. I would rather let my league mates draft him. I'll take Devontae Adams. I'll take Stephon Diggs. I'll take DeAndre Swift. I'll take Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, even Najee Harris and Derrick Henry, who I'm really not even that high on, but I would still take over Dalvin Cook in this area of the draft. So could he burn me? Absolutely. Dalvin Cook is a talented ass running back. He could really make me look stupid for this take, but I don't think he'll burn me as hard as he would have burned me in 2019 or 2020 had I faded him then because I don't think he has that top three ceiling anymore. If he burns me, it'll probably be on the back of a lot of touchdowns playing in a good offense. And I still don't think he'll be that efficient, but I do think he has a chance to rush in 12, 13, 14 touchdowns playing for that Vikings offense, which obviously would hurt me because I faded him. But the downside risk is just too high for me to stomach drafting Dalvin Cook. So if you guys enjoyed this video, if you agreed, leave a like. If you disagreed, still leave a like. I went, you know, I put a lot of work into this and I really appreciate you guys engaging. Down below, leave a comment. If you agree with me, if you disagree with me, again, leave down below who is your biggest fade, who is your biggest bust of 2022 fantasy football. And if you're new around here, subscribe, check out the sleepers video that Danny put up yesterday. Check out the breakouts video that I put up two days ago. Danny's busts are coming. My sleepers are coming. Danny's breakouts are coming. We still got plenty of these 
on deck for the rest of Superlatives Week. So make sure you guys check that out. If you guys want some legit practice for your home leagues, if you draft this weekend, I know my draft is on Labor Day Monday. If you guys want some legit practice for your fantasy leagues, head on over to underdogfantasy.com and using the promo code FSE, you'll get 100% back on whatever you put in. They have the Puppy 4 dropping on Monday. It is a $5 entry. You get tons of great, great prizes, high, high payout structure to first place. So if you guys want, number one, a great way to practice for your home leagues, and number two, a chance at some great prizes, you can check out Underdog Fantasy. Link is in the pinned comment, like I said, and you'll get 100% back when you use the promo code FSE. Plus, you'll get our redraft rankings, our dynasty rankings, our redraft draft-ready cheat sheet for free as a thank you for using our promo code. So with that being said, peace out, and we'll talk to you soon.